Hello. Hello. Well, thank you all for coming to Golden Beer Talks. And by my accounting, this is the 26th Golden Beer Talks, second Tuesday of every month. And this is where we expand our mind with a beer in our hands. And you can also have dinner if you want. Um, this month, our featured brewery is Coors slash AC Golden. And I'm going to assume that most everyone is familiar with Coors here, but AC Golden maybe not so much. And AC Golden is sort of the experimental brew line, the craft brew line at Coors. A separate, the corporate entities are kind of complicated, so I'm, I'm not going to try to explain all of that. But it's, I'll say, associated with Coors, but not exactly Coors. And AC Golden does kind of craft brews and uh, experimental brews. Uh, the, the beers we're featuring tonight are Colorado Native Winterfest Pilsner, which is the only one I've tried. Normally I try these before we come, but not, not, the, not on Coors nights, typically. And I thought that the uh, Winterfest Pilsner was excellent. Very nice beer. And, then, and it's a special holiday beer, so you know it's not available all year long. So this would be a good time to get one. And we also have Colorado Native Amber and Coors Banquet Beer. The Colorado Native beers are made and packaged with 100% Colorado products. Glass bottles made in Wheat Ridge, cans made in Golden. So it's, it's a Colorado product. And the barley grown in the San Luis Valley and hops all over. They've got the uh, Colorado Native uh, uh, brew crew to try to encourage people to grow hops because... If you've been here a while, you know I kind of have hops on the mind all the time. And there aren't enough hops grown in Colorado even to support as much Colorado native as they'd like to brew. So um, all the way back for 150 years and even now, there have been breweries demanding hops, and we don't have enough hops growing in the state to supply all the demand. So Coors has, or AC Golden has been paying three times market rate for hops from Colorado. So that's pretty good. Um, Anyway, these are all great-tasting beers. And thank you to the employees and the owners of Windy Saddle Cafe, who always take good care of us and offer us really good food. And also, they keep the place open past normal closing hours, because they're normally closed at 6, six o'clock. Um, for those of you who haven't been to Golden Beer Talks before, our normal... Uh, Normal, normal uh, program is a 20-25 minute presentation then we take about a 15 minute break and then we come back for questions and answers for as long as we've got questions and answers up to about maybe 10 minutes to 8 because we try to clear out by 8 o'clock so that the employees can go home and they can clean up Windy Saddle Cafe that does stay open late for us um, also thanks to Golden.com for helping get the word out about these and other events in Golden and uh, in the uh, nearby area, and that's one of the uh, people that helps put together Golden Beer Talks, my wife, Barbara Warden. Also in my mind, also in my mind known as the beer babe when I'm out of town. Um, also, just uh, one other thing that's coming up in about a month is the Colorado Cow Cowboy Poetry Gathering at the American Mountaineering Center. That's January 19th through the 22nd. 
Um, it's cowboy poetry and music, and it's the 28th year of this. It's always the last. It's always been the last weekend of stock show, and it's at the American Mountaineering Center. It's kind of a big event. People fly in from Chicago and St. Louis and stay for the three days of the event. So um, you'll be seeing signs up about this in the near future as soon as I put them up. Um, also. We are looking forward to continuing Golden Beer Talks in 2017. As I said, this is our 26th, right? Yeah, 26th Golden Beer Talks. We've got about half of the uh, program for 2017 filled out with speakers. We're certainly looking to fill a few more spaces. So if you've got ideas or, you know, suggested speakers, let us know because we're always looking for ideas. And, um, you know, you got to have about four or five leads to get one or two speakers. So... Uh, please let us know if you've got any ideas. And we're looking forward to 2017. Beer Factoid of the Month. 2016 is shaping up to show further growth in the craft beer market. And although we're still a few months away from the you know, final data for 2016, so the best I can tell you is 2015, when the total U.S. beer market was $106 billion, which seems like a lot of billions to me. Craft beer in 2015 had about 16% growth, and it had a total market share of $22.3 billion, which also seems like a lot of billions. And these are statistics from the Brewers Association website. Colorado, pretty much currently, like right now, has got 284 breweries in the state. It's the third in the country, and Coors is the single largest brewery in the world. Not just the country, but in the world. So, our speaker and topic tonight is Fred Linton from Miller Coors, and he's with the uh, Miller Coors Environmental uh, to speak on the Miller Coors Environmental Sustainability Program. And Fred holds the position of Environmental and Sustainability Engineer at Miller Coors here for the Golden Brewery. And he's been there for 26.5 years, so I think I've known Fred for about 26 years, kind of off and on. And... He's held various positions at Miller Coors, mostly with a strong environmental focus. He has a chemical engineering degree from Colorado University and an MBA from Denver University. And he is also a regular, as are some of our other speakers, at Golden Beer Talks. Fred Linton from Miller Coors. Thank you, Frank. I, I'm not used to speaking in front of a microphone, but... Um, You're getting recorded for a podcast. Oh, oh, how about that? Oh, no, i got to be really careful about what I say, huh? Oh, no. But first of all, I'm going to start off by saying cheers. Yeah. Hope you enjoy our product. It's We, we really, really uh, are proud of what we're producing over there. So, on the on your table, I have one of you, you have one of these. Have you figured out what they are yet? There you go. Yeah, coasters, and and each one of these uh, different coasters has a nice little tidbit about what we've been able to do as far as our uh, sustainability goes. So. I think I'll start off with, is anybody really confused about 
who Miller Coors is or who owns Miller Coors or, you know, anything like that. Let me, let, let me just, all right. So back in 2008, Miller Coors was formed as a joint venture between SAB Miller and Molson Coors. And SAB Miller held 57% and Molson Coors held 43%. All right. Just this October, we finalized the deal where Molson Coors bought out SAB Miller's share. So now we are a wholly owned subsidiary of Molson Coors. We're really happy to be back in the family. Yeah. Um, and all this started because Anheuser-Busch decided they wanted to buy SAB Miller. And in order to do that, they had to divest their share of uh, Miller Coors. So Molson Coors stepped in, bought it. It's a $12 billion price tag. It's a lot of money. But the plan is to pay that back in a really short period of time. And we'll just be on our way after that. Um, we also got all of the international Miller out of the deal, too. So we're rocking and rolling uh, as far as Molson Coors goes and Miller Coors, and we got a really bright future ahead of us as far as that goes. Yes? Are you still making Miller Coors products? Yes, we are. Yes. We, 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 uh, we're making uh, uh, the vast majority of the Miller products right here at the Golden Brewery as well as all the other breweries. We have a total of seven breweries in the network now, okay? And, you know, one of the things when we be went back and formed Miller Coors, one of the synergies was is that if we moved Coors Light to a bunch of these other breweries that were in there, it would be a whole lot closer to the point of use and it would minimize our transportation costs. They estimated that to be about $300 million in synergies just from that merger fairly significant, and that was one of the main reasons why we did it. Uh, okay, point of interest. So I brought those three beers tonight, and they all have one thing in common. And what would that one thing be? They're all made right here, including Coors Banquet. Coors Banquet is, the, is only produced here, and it will never be produced, as far as I know, anyplace else. So, you know, that's, that's kind of a theme of tonight. Colorado, all the beers in Colorado, what we do. All right, so on to sustainability. So there's three prongs to the Miller Coors Sustainability Program. Um, on this piece of paper, I've, gave, I've got a piece of paper here that I've put on the table. There is a, there is a link to our sustainability uh, report. So you can get into there and you can take a look at a whole lot of details that I may not be able to cover tonight. So anyway, there's three parts to our sustainability program. I'm going to focus on the environmental stewardship. But the other two are alcohol responsibility. And that means what we need to do is we need to educate our consuming public and make sure that they consume our product in a responsible way. And don't go out, don't go drinking and driving and things like that. We sponsor programs like Uber Lifts, 
on New Year's Eve, different things like that. So that's one of those things. People in communities, yes, city of Golden is a community. You're our neighbors. And, and so we are really, really uh, aware that what we do affects you. So diversity and inclusion, supporting diverse suppliers, and investing in our communities. So um, those, are, those are major aspects to our uh, sustainability program. So let's talk about environmental stewardship. Thank you. <clears throat> so Miller Corps defines sustainability as making a positive and meaningful impact on the social, environmental, and economic issues that affect our business, employees, and our stakeholders. Again, the city of Golden is our stakeholders, the residents of Golden, the neighbors of Golden. You are our stakeholders, and we are very much aware of how we impact, our business impacts what, how you live here. So in general, energy, water, and waste. I'll, I'll touch briefly on those tonight. So all of our breweries participate in cross-functional teams. And we exchange ideas. And we're finding that there's a whole lot of uh, ideas that we can apply here in Golden and that we've applied in Golden that can be applied to other breweries. And we've been able to um, capitalize on those. We have annual goals. In other words, we have to reduce our energy consumption, our water consumption, our waste uh, to energy, and I'll get into that a little bit more later, by a certain percentage to continue to uh, have momentum around our sustainability. So we review our progress against those goals monthly. And the, uh, the goals are on scorecards. There are compensation impacts for how well we do on achieving those goals. And so there is a whole lot of momentum behind making sure we get out there and do what we need to do to achieve those goals. So we'll break it down into the three areas, water, energy, and waste. And so water conservation. And I've got these sheets on the table with some charts. By, the goal, by 2020, our goal is a ratio of water used to packaged product of three, and I'm just going to throw this out, gallons of water used per gallon of beer produced. All right? That is fundamentally world class. All right? This be more like 10 to 1, right? Well, I don't know that we really got that high. I mean, you know, when we got started back in uh, uh, 2011, we were at a little bit over four. Yeah, I'm thinking 30 years. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, water. Exactly. <laughs> Who cared about water back then? So, yeah, over the seven breweries, we saved 125 million gallons through our savings uh, in, in our water reduction. Right now, we're at 3.29 to 1, so we're 3.3, all right? We have a long way to go to get to that 3. Um, and it's going to be a, an intense effort over the next, let me see, 16, 17, 18, 19, four years uh, to get to there. 
there's, uh, there's several aspects to our water conservation. We, we, are, we, we are focusing wa our efforts on watersheds, all right? There are three stressed watersheds in our brewery network. Can you guess what one of them might be? Okay, there you go. Clear Creek, Fort Worth, Texas, Irwindale, California. So we are really focusing a whole lot of effort on those watersheds to protect those watersheds and conserve water in those watersheds. Um, here in Golden, Miller Coors, Pepsi, and Wells Fargo donated a million dollars to the Nature Conservancy uh, to restore watersheds. So this is an emphasis on thinning overgrown forests and insect-damaged forests here in the state of Colorado. And I, uh, is anybody here a member or has participated in the Upper Clear Creek Watershed Association? You have. Why are you everywhere, huh? Anyway, the Upper Clear Creek Watershed Association has just done an outstanding job of protecting our watershed and improving our watershed. Absolutely. Um, they have, they've, been in, they've been in organized for years and years. They started with uh, things like the mine tailings and working with the EPA to get those mine tailings stabilized, things like that. Right now, we're seeing really, really clean water coming out of the mountains. And a, a lot of that is because of the Upper Clear Creek Watershed Association and the work that they've done around all of that. Uh, in Texas, they partnered with the Natural Resources Conservation Service and the Tarrant Regional Water District to form what they call the Chambers Creek Water Quality Initiative. And what that is, 182 landowners with 29,000 acres combined have dedicated themselves to improving their practices to protect that watershed. So, okay, watershed protection. What, you know, what does that mean to people? Say you've got a gas station that's in your watershed. What are we doing to make sure that we aren't having any leaks out of those gas tanks? All right? Okay, let's say we've got... Uh, you know, occasionally we have a crash in Clear Creek. All right? We get gasoline and oil that gets into Clear Creek. Well, they do a pretty good job of trying to clean it up. It's really, really difficult to do something like that. But, you know, it's very rare. But we do have action plans to make sure that none of that water gets diverted into any of the drinking water supplies downstream of there uh, to protect our drinking water supplies. Uh, in California, we converted 10 acres, the whole 10 acres on the brewery, to Xeriscape. That saved 3 million gallons a year in irrigation. Um, they're participating in uh, aquifer recharge so that they can uh, have a sufficient amount of water for their use. So, where do you suppose the biggest use of our water is in our supply chain? Beginning to end. Okay, so I heard evaporation, I heard cooling, bottles and cans, 
Oh, you are the winner. Yeah, agriculture. 90% of the water that is used to make our product is in growing barley and hops and, well, I, you know, I'm not sure I, we use any soy in our product. Yeah, yeah, okay. So anyway, yeah. So we have major initiatives underway right now. Um, in the Silver Creek Valley in Idaho, we're saving 550 million gallons a year due to efficient watering of the crops. And we still get great, um, uh, what do you call it? Yield out of the crops. So we're making a whole lot of progress. Now we're parlaying that into Colorado, Idaho, and Wyoming, or Colorado, Wyoming, and Montana to start to use those same techniques. All right, so what's happening at the Golden Brewery specifically? Um, we have water that is used to boil in our boilers. Well, they run that through an RO system and to clean it up before we put it in the boilers. Well, that RO um, reject comes into our cooling water system, our closed loop cooling water system. Not our once through cooling water system, but our closed loop cooling water Closed loop cooling water system, say that fast. And um, so what that means is, is that we reduce the amount of water that we're using out of our um, uh, surface water lakes. So we're reusing that water into our cooling water system, reducing the amount of water out of our water plant. Here's an, here, here was a one that we've been doing for a while. We use rinser water. So in, on the cans and bottle lines, we use water to rinse cans and bottles before we fill the beer. All right? So um, we reuse that water as seal water for our pumps. Pretty simple stuff. We're constantly adding automation. Automation is the key to efficiency. I mean, we turn that water on, we turn that water off. It, it doesn't rely on a human out there to turn a valve anymore. So we're getting a whole lot of efficiency out of uh, automation. Here's one more. We're preheating our cooling water now, or we're preheating our brewing water. Yeah, preheating our cooling water. <laughs> Please. We're preheating our brewing water through our work coolers. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about the process. All right, we, we make the work into brew kettles. It goes through a centrifuge, and then we cool it to send it to our fermenters. So we have heat exchangers, and what we're doing is the water we're using in our brew kettles, we're putting that through those heat exchangers, preheating it before it goes to the kettles, and as a result, we don't have to use as much energy in our kettles to brew our beer. You know, it, it's things like that where we can recover heat inside the plant, and we're making every effort to try and capture as much of that as we can. Okay, so that's for water. So reducing our carbon footprint. Frank, how am I doing? 
minutes. Five, ten minutes? Yeah. All right. So we have a 2020 goal of 25% reduction by 20, 2020 compared to 2010. 2015, we reduced it by 115 megajoules per hectoliter of beer produced, down 4.7% from 2014. Our best brewery is producing at 93 megajoules per hectoliter. Our best reduction in 2014 was 12%. Now, that's not us, unfortunately, but that's just what's happening in our brewing network. So, since 2010, our greenhouse gas emissions across the network are down 21%. And they've been down 5% since 2014. We've saw, installed a solar array, a solar array in California. So what's happened in Golden? All right? So, um... Who lives over here on North Table Mountain above the... Okay. Yeah? Um, did you hear a loud noise every time we dumped a coal car kind of thing? No? All right. Well, if you did, you're not hearing that anymore. We are now 100% gas. We've eliminated coal. Thank you. And you know what? We did that without the regulation requiring us to do it. All right? It was, it was something that was absolutely the right thing to do. And we, um, we went ahead and did it. So now we're on 100% gas. We've got five boilers. Actually, we don't. Suez NG owns the boiler house. So they operate the five boilers that are over there. They're 100% gas. So, network-wide, total emissions have been reduced by 91,000 metric tons of CO2 equivalent by switching from coal to gas. Preheating of our brewing water, okay, I'm going to talk about that again, all right? So, via the heat, that means when we have to use less heat in our brew kettles, that means we're using less energy, that means we're um, reducing the amount of emissions that we're um, emitting. New brewing technology. We're installing new brewing technology that is helping us brew faster and better with less energy. We optimize our utilities compressors. Okay, so here we are. I in a, I'm in a meeting, an hour meeting long, an hour long meeting every day. And we flash up there all of our compressors, our ammonia compressors, our um, air compressors, our uh, CO2 compressors, there's an optimum way to run those. And we look at how they're running, and we make sure they're running in an optimum configuration. And that is helping us save a huge amount of energy. Optimizing the boiler configuration with Suez. You know, are we going to run four and five? Are we going to run four and two and one? Things like that. It helps us to reduce the amount of energy that we're going to consume. All right. Let's talk about waste. 
I'll fly through this here real quick. Landfill free. The we are, we are, as well as every brewery in the network, now certified as a landfill free brewery. In other words, we have no waste going to the landfill. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna caveat that. All right. We have about 0.01% of all the waste that's generated at the Golden Brewery going to a landfill. And that's the stuff that we collect in single stream, goes to the waste management MRF, where it's all separated and everything. And what cannot be recycled there does go to the landfill. All right? But um, all, of our, all of our grain... All of our yeast, we have uh, all of our waste beer is distilled and mixed with gasoline. So we have a huge recycle program going on as far as that goes. <laughs> you know, uh, I heard that we probably waste more beer in a day than a microbrewery wastes in a year. It's a shame. But we're getting a whole lot. We're getting a whole lot better at it, a whole lot better at it. So back in 2011, we were sending 180 tons a year of waste to landfill. We are not sending any waste to landfill except for that little bit. Recycling reduced landfill tipping fees, so we made money there. Recycling, we get revenue off of what we recycle, so we made money there. With that money, we invested in more balers and chippers and things like that, more containers as close to the po point of generation as we could possibly get it so that the people that were generating the waste could use that container right there for that cardboard or that stretch wrap or, you know, whatever they were generating right there, and it was easy for them. That's the key. Make it easy for these folks to recycle, and they will do it. There's also a lot of passion. You know, our aged workforce is starting to turn over. We're starting to get our younger people in. And those younger people are becoming more passionate about this recycling. All right, so what happens to waste that we don't recycle? We send it to Oklahoma. <laughs> but in Oklahoma, they are generous enough to burn it, generate steam, and then that steam is used to generate electricity. So it's being put to a beneficial reuse right there. It's very expensive to do that. So it's our, our challenge to reduce and minimize the amount that we send there. Okay, one more thing. Wastewater. All of our favorite topics. Who likes to drive on Highway 58? Huh? No. Thank you, Frank. All right. So, who, who's driven on Highway 58 like in the last month? Okay. Have you noticed a difference? Really? Because uh, we, we've installed... We've installed new equipment, 
and and um, you know I drive by it every day. I notice a difference. I mean, it's not that really really high um, impact. Uh, no, it was hydrogen sulfide, H2S. So that's what that is. H2S is a byproduct of the wastewater. All right? So we installed new equipment, and what we're doing is we're ionizing that hydrogen sulfide uh, and, and eliminating it. All right, so where is the city of Golden's wastewater treated? Yep. <laughs> we are in the sewage treatment business. So we're, we're uh, I want to thank the city of Golden. I'll tell you, the people that are down there in the utilities organization does a, do a real good job of working with everybody, all the um, uh, dischargers like uh, School Mines or the Jefferson County uh, Jail, you know, different things like that to make sure that they don't exceed what they're supposed to do. That does it for me. Thank you. And one thing I'm, I'm going to mention, well, maybe two things, but one thing I'll mention. Uh, at one point, Fred mentioned RO. That's reverse osmosis. So that is a desalting process through a semi-permeable membrane, forcing water through with high pressure. You get clean water out one side, salt stay on the other side. I don't think you explained that. If no, you did, I did not. And, and Thank I, you. I thought I, I saw some people kind of looking around like, what, RO? What's RO? So anyway, reverse osmosis is a high-pressure membrane desalting process, and it's becoming quite popular. And with that, I'll turn it over to Fred again to answer your questions. And if you guys don't have questions, I do. So. Yes, sir. Uh, question. I, I remember that the School of Mines uh, was the recipient of free heat, or maybe even the city of Golden. Did that end because of the switch to natural gas? No, that, that didn't end. Oh, okay. So the question is, School of Mines was on free energy because we would supply steam to uh, the School of Mines and they would generate their heat with that. Well, it, it wasn't free. We did have an agreement with them, but now the School of Mines is installing their own boilers. And so they are gonna be generating their own heat and that is not going to happen anymore. Okay, so Coors Tech. No, no, no. You're you're fine, but let let me. Coors Tech is not a part of Miller Coors. It is a part of ACX Technologies. We have nothing to do 
with anything that they're doing there. So I have no knowledge of what's going on in that plant or any emissions that are coming off that plant. Sorry. Oh, the question was, what about the emissions coming off of the uh, 609th Coors Ceramics facility? I want to hear some big numbers. Can you give us any kind of big water numbers in acre feet per year or anything like that? Big water numbers that we use? Yeah. Um, okay, so we generate about 10 million gallons or 10 million barrels of beer a year. It's a lot of beer coming out of the brewery. We're at about 3.25, 3.3 barrels of water per barrel of beer. So we're about a little over three times the 10 million barrels and there are how many how many gallons per barrel? That is the oil <laughs> measure. 55? No. 32 gallons. 32 gallons per barrel. Yeah, <laughs> for a beer barrel. So that's that'll give you a little bit of an idea as to how much water we're using. So thank you. What, what are your financial arrangements with the city of Golden? I know you're not in the city of Golden. We pay you for treating our sewage. You pay us for what? Fire protection? So we, uh, uh, the question is, what are the financial arrangements between Miller Coors and the city of Golden in terms of treating wastewater and things like that? Um, we, uh, we do not have an agreement for fire protection, but we do have an agreement for treatment of the wastewater and for use of water that the city of Golden is not using. So we pay the city of Golden for water that they're not using, and they pay us for um, uh, treating their wastewater. That's all? No other financial arrangements? That's it. How, where does it well, uh, let, let me back up on that. Financial, financial arrangements, this is sort of, uh, you know, we provide... You know, through all of the people that come through the Golden Brewery, helps the businesses here in the city of Golden. It's uh, we we have pretty close to three hundred thousand people tour the brewery every year. Those three hundred thousand people partake in the businesses down here in downtown Golden, the restaurants, the hotels, things like that. So, yes, we do. We pick them up. We drive them through Golden, give them a little bit of history, drop them off at the brewery, and then pick them up and drive them back to their cars. So we live on North Carolina, and we also hike up there and look down on your beautiful facility, and you see you have these vast amounts of roof space. And we wonder if you considered either solar photovoltaic or solar thermal uh, water heating for to improve your sustainability. Yes. Okay, so on our roofs, the question was, have we considered solar energy of some type? Yes, we have. We have done evaluation after evaluation after evaluation. And what 
what happens is, is that we have to achieve a certain hurdle rate on our return on investment. Our problem is that energy that we are consuming is very inexpensive because we generate our own. All right? So it's really difficult for us to justify putting in the solar arrays, things like that. However, our Milwaukee brewery has a sod roof. That's something that we should probably take a stronger look at. I mean, what the heck? Even with the investment tax credits, um, it, it, it's just not achieving the hurdles because we try to take advantage of all that. And here's the other thing. We do not sell back to the grid. or we're, We are connected to the grid, but only in cases of emergency power supply from Excel. So is there a cycle to a brewery process? Because some days you smell like a bakery. Some days you don't smell so nice. <laughs> um, yeah, there is. For instance, uh, uh, we're in, uh, starting to move into peak brewing season so that we can get ready for things like, uh, well, the Super Bowl, um, St. Patty's Day, Labor Day. Memorial Day. Memorial Day. Things like that. We're starting to get into peak brewing. So you should be smelling more like a bakery as we move along here. Those other days, you know, it is really tough to operate a wastewater treatment plant. I mean, uh, it is really, really tough. And when we as an industry have as much going on in our brewery as we do, that hits our wastewater treatment plant. Uh, our guys down there at the wastewater treatment plant facility are, are, are fighters. They get into the trenches. They do whatever they can to you know, make sure that they get it right. Yeah. There's a little bit of upset here and there. Always is. There's a question back there. Are there, are there two wastewater treatment plants, one for city and one for Missouri? So the question is, are there two wastewater treatment plants? Yes, there are. As a matter of fact, there are three wastewater treatment plants. We have uh, anaerobic wastewater treatment plant, which pre-treats uh, processed waste coming out of the brewery that ends up at the wastewater treatment plant on the north side of Highway 58, where the rest of it's treated. Then the plant that's down there in the valley, the old one, Yes, that treats the city of Golden sanitary waste. It treats all the sanitary waste coming out of the brewery. It treats all of the processed waste in the can plant and everything east of the brewery. All right? So, yes. I'm just trying to differentiate All right, so where do you smell the biggest smell? All right, where on Highway 58? All right, so, you know, you, you drive right by the one treatment plant, all right, and then the other treatment plant is just down the hill, you know, so a, a little bit further, just up the hill. Notice you don't smell as much if you're on 10th Street, you come 32nd, and then 
Yeah. Uh, there's no doubt that uh, atmospheric conditions make a little bit of a difference. Is there, a, is there an associated smell with cleaning activities that come from the brewery itself, or is, it, or is it all this kind of odor emanating? I mean, obviously, the bakery smell is coming from the brewery. Yes. Um, no, there should not be any odor from the cleaning activities or anything like that. So, So the question is, the guy that runs the wastewater treatment plant doesn't have a sense of smell because of some accident. There are plenty of people down there that have a sense of smell. Uh huh. That didn't answer the question. Huh? Moving on. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the state of Colorado recently, one year ago, uh, put into place a state water plan, the first one ever. And here we are, the headwaters of many major rivers. So I'm curious to know if Torres was involved in the state water plan, you know, like in being one of the main players and, you know, commenters on it because it was put together by the Colorado Water Conservation Board. And if so, you know, kind of what, what, the, uh, what the focus of your involvement was. So <clears throat> the water that we're involved with is managed by Molson Coors. And the people in Molson Coors were involved in the state water plan, yes. And um, they actively participated in in uh, uh, producing it and developing it. So, but Miller Coors was not involved in the state water plan. Our water, our water uh, suppliers, Molson Coors, they do a great job. Yeah, they, uh, you know, they're actively participating in the Upper Clear Creek Watershed Association. They actively participate in trying to find more ways where we can store our water, you know, that kind of thing. So. Well, I, you know, I have not really looked into that, but I believe that there are entities that have tried to do it and maybe have not been able to get the necessary permits to get it done. All right? Uh, air permits, different things like that. So, but I, that's only my speculation. Um, yeah, we're already uh, got plans to start to pull rail in the valley, not up on the hill. The, all that rail up on the hill is Burlington Northern, BNSF. Well, I know that there are rail cars that come into the 
uh, petroleum storage tanks right up here. Yeah. Um, I do know that they use that rail to switch cars that will end up coming down to us. Things like that. So there's non-course business going on with the railroad. Uh-huh. Right. The, the only thing that's all cores is what's down in the valley, the rail that's down in the valley. Hey, all right. Yes. Well, it, it is important for us to sustain our business, okay? Well, we're in this business to make money, right? So it's important for us to do it. But it's also the right thing to do. Um, we do whatever we can uh, to make sure that the right thing gets done. Like going to coal, I mean going to gas kind of thing. We did that way early. We didn't have to do it. There was no regulation out there that forced us to do it, but we went ahead and we did it. It was the right thing to do. There, there, was, there was a significant financial evaluation that was done, no doubt about it. But if, if, we, if we did not um, uh, want to explore it because it was the right thing to do, it wouldn't have gotten done. Yes. There's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, you take a look at our community, interaction, diversity, things like that. Um, we, we believe that diverse folks buy our product because we are actively involved in a diverse community. Those kinds of things. We are totally altruistic. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> My lovely wife. When you started at Coors, do you recall how much solid waste was going out the door? I mean, your perspective that you've shared is very recent. And is there something you can share? So I, I was hired in 1990 by uh, the Adolf Coors Company. And uh, I was hired to work on their hazardous waste operation. We had a permitted treatment, storage, and disposal facility. We were running 60 tons a year of hazardous waste through our facility. And that came in from the ceramics plant. That came in from... Uh, the aluminum rolling mill. You remember back then? We were, we were totally uh, vertical. We, we had everything. We had the packaging operation. We had the aluminum operation. We had everything. So we, all of the hazardous waste came into us. In five years, we eliminated by changing chemicals, by... Um, well, the ceramics and the aluminum were spun off, so we couldn't take them anymore. And we are now a conditionally exempt small quantity generator. Uh, 
Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. You know, we have met on several occasions, and and we talked about this before the decision was actually made, and and I listened and I understood, and it was just really important to relay that to our decision makers, so that you know, you are our stakeholders. It is really important for us to treat you extremely well. And one of the things we did was go to natural gas. Uh, and I appreciate that. You know, it's, it's made a difference. I've noticed, uh, you know, whether that's not a problem or table mountain, I've noticed the difference, uh, snow-wise, noise-wise. I want to challenge cores, though, to go even further. You know, so much of the facility is still operating under emission limits and emission You're welcome. Um, you know what? I think it's time to have a breakfast again. Yeah, right. You know, um, because I, I think that uh, in addition to continuing to work to reduce our emissions and things like that, I want to share with you what we have done in, in addition to the gas. You know, because we are doing a whole lot uh, to control our emissions. So we will have a, a breakfast again. All right. You know, uh, we're working with the state of Colorado in their uh, uh, program, environmental excellence program, and uh, I think we're probably going to apply for environmental excellence, maybe even uh, try to get to a gold level this next year. So, yes. Okay. What was the name of it again? B Corp. All right, I'll look into it. Uh, I'm also 
always been curious about the old homestead, which you can see from Highway 58, and I know it's off limits. Uh, it used to be used for board household, it was used for board meetings with the Sports Brewing Company, uh, and not Molson, of course. And uh, I was just wondering, is there, what's the future of that beautiful home, and will it ever be something that uh, I can walk so you're talking about the mansion that's down in the valley there. Uh, the question was, would, he, would you ever be able to walk through it? I have been working there for 26 and a half years, and I have not walked through it. It is exclusive. So I would not get my hopes up. Yes, it is. Family events. Um, uh, you know, Bill just turned 100 years old. And, huh, Bill Coors just turned 100 years old. And on occasion, he'll still come down and go to the, go to the mansion, and they'll taste beer down there kind of thing. So, yeah, it, it is a family, home, event, center, and uh, that's all it is. You know, I, I'm getting ready to retire, and I'm about ready to ask Pete if he would grant me a tour <laughs> on my last day. Can we do a position? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you take your nephew? <laughs> <laughs> to, to that point, is there any way to get a, a VIP tour for Citizens of Old? That's a huge facility, and I always look and wonder what's going on in all of that. A VIP tour as opposed to the self-guided tour? Yeah. Uh-huh. What is it, five miles of facility? Oh, oh, you're talking about end-to-end um, -end kind of thing. Well, <laughs> uh, no, the residence is off limits. But um, I will be happy. I will be happy to take my... Oh, oh, oh. I thought you meant the, the family residence. All right. Yeah, I'll be happy to, you know, share with you. You know what we might be able to do is instead of uh, driving up and down the valley is give you a virtual and, and show you what is going on where, that kind of thing. Thank you. All right. Frank, one more question. Yeah, we're, we're about on the time, so maybe one or two more questions. I was going to give you a chance to your committedness to this, the, the switch over to gas, is this a irrevocable uh, configuration change of the boilers? If, if, say, if coal magically, for some reason, you know, maybe some president comes into power, <laughs> get rid of all regulations and makes coal half as cheap as gas, uh, what, what would that do to your decision? So, you know, if it was up to me, yeah, we would never go back. But I also know that they um, are starting to pull track. And so when they start to pull track, that tells me they're not going to be bringing in coal anymore. How does the gas come Yes. It's a natural gas pipeline. It's an XL pipeline. I'll catch up with you in a minute. Uh, you mentioned that um, in order to meet those goals, you give compensation incentives. Is that the main driver 
I'll tell you, well, um, you know, at various levels within the organization, you know, their bonuses are paid on how well they do achieving, you know, and it's not just sustainability goals, but it's, uh, you know, cost per barrel, it's safety, it's, you know, everything like that. But if we're not getting where we need to get to with sustainability, yeah, it impacts them. You're welcome. That line on McIntyre, the last line that was recently buried under McIntyre Street? Um, no, that, uh, well, it may have tied into that line, but our line, our line runs, you know, east-west, not north-south there. Well, thank you all very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, Fred. Absolutely. That was great. Hey, I have some... Uh, Matt? I have some extras of these, if anybody wants extra posters. So the tree that goes Thank you all very much. If you could bring up dirty dishes to, you know, kind of bust your own tables, that would be very helpful. And next month we have a CSM prof talking about biomedical engineering. <laughs>